Why, hello, it is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to hang out with Rhett Madison over Zoom video. Rhett was born in Florida, but moved to West Virginia at two years old. Doesn't come from a musical household, but Rhett's dad started to play piano in his mid-40s, wanted to learn how to play piano. Uh, so Rhett was about five, and that's when Rhett started to learn piano as well. Rhett started writing songs around 11 years old, picked up the guitar around 16, but went to a art-focused boarding school for junior and senior year of high school. So the last two years of high school, Rhett was able to focus solely on songwriting. Rhett then moved to Los Angeles to attend USC. We hear about uh, her experience going to USC, having the opportunity to sing backups for Lord when Lord headlined Coachella. Rhett talked about putting out the first song, God is a Woman, all about the debut album, Pin Up Daddy, and Rhett talks a lot about the brand new album, which is called One for Jackie, which Rhett wrote about the passing of her mother. You can watch our interview with Rhett on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be amazing if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be incredible if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Rhett Madison. I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, my name's Adam, and this is about you and uh, your journey in music. And we'll talk about the, the album or EP. Yeah, I think it's the album, right? Yeah, yeah, the oh, album. Yeah, yeah, album coming out uh, this Friday, I believe. Yeah. Very, very cool. I just listened to it. I had a, a chance to hear it. It's really, really a good, it's a great Thank album. Thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time to listen to it. I really appreciate that. Yeah, it's great. Um, well, first off, where were you born and raised? Um, I was born in Florida, but I don't really remember anything about it. Um, okay. I just tell people I'm from West Virginia because I was raised there. I lived there since I was two um, and grew up here. Wow. Okay. So what was West Virginia like? Tell me about living there. Um, I mean, there was a lot of good things about it. Like I loved, um, you know, I still am in touch with many of my close friends that I've known since I was five or six. I grew up in like a smaller um, community in town. Um, you know, it's a beautiful state. The nature is amazing. Um, sometimes, you know, it was hard in my particular community growing up in more of like a religious um space. I was raised like really Catholic um, mm -hmm. and I'm a queer woman. So at times that was challenging when I was growing up, but sure. you know, overall I have a lot of love for the place I'm from and a lot of love for the people there. Very cool. I was also uh, raised forced Catholic. So oh, uh, okay. we, <laughs> we have that in common. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, what about music? Do you come from a musical household at all? Um, not really. No, my, neither of my parents really did anything with music. Like professionally my dad had an era where he did get really into piano for about two years in his late mm. 40s and i honestly thought he did a pretty great job he would like would memorize classical pieces which is like really hard to do when you don't have much music training and sure you know, as you as you get older um but yeah neither of them ever pursued it you know 
outside of the house or professionally. My mom didn't play music, but, um, you know, they both were very supportive of me doing music. What about, do you have any siblings that play music at all? Um, you know, I think, you know, I think my eldest sister has like sang before and has a, you know, has a lovely voice and is sang in public, but again, nothing, um, you know, that they're doing in any active way, I would say, or, you know, performing at this point now. Got it. Okay. Um, and how did you then get into music? Did you take piano lessons at an early age? Like when, when dad got the piano, were you trying to learn as well or? Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely say that was kind of one of the doors, um, for me to get into music. I probably was like five or six when my dad was really into having his piano hobby era. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so he also put me into lessons, which I'm so grateful for and voice lessons. I was also very lucky to have that as a resource and an opportunity as a young kid. Um, it's super cliche, but like my mom heard me singing when I was playing alone one day and she was like, we should put her in voice lessons. That's Um, cool though. At least she was, uh, obviously encouraging the what you were up so, to. So encouraging. Again, I, I really can't stress enough. I was very lucky to have parents that both could um, provide that opportunity for me because I know not everybody has access to those opportunities as well as being encouraging of me pursuing them. Mm-hmm. So you did voice lessons and piano lessons. Uh, when did guitar come into your life? Honestly, uh, much later, I didn't pick up guitar probably until I was 15 or 16. Um, I think 16 was probably the time I started lessons on it. Okay. What about songwriting? Was that something you were doing when you were younger, like on piano or or that come with the guitar? Yeah, um, that I would say that was more with piano. And I probably started writing songs maybe around like 11 or 12. It was just, you know, they were really terrible songs, really embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> I would not stand by them necessarily now, although I gave my best effort at the time. Um, And it was really just like a therapeutic resource for me. Songwriting was, you know, kind of like my journal or my diary entries. So it started kind of as a tween. Wow. And were you showing people your songs at any point uh, or when did that start? Even though they weren't good songs, I definitely wanted to show people. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Some people are very, uh, you know, reclusive with, they're very private about their song or songwriting. Yeah. I couldn't wait to be like, la, 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 here's my song. Um, <laughs> I'm like also like a former theater kid. So I do love to perform. Oh, okay. um, so I probably started playing my songs. Um, you know, any time somebody would give me an opportunity to sing an original song, be it like a local festival or, you know, a choir concert, I would take that opportunity as a kid. Nice. And you, so you did theater as well. Is that something you uh, pursued through high school or anything like that? Not like not as intensely as I did with music and songwriting. Um, my dad was also really into musical theater, and I joke that he's kind of a stage parent. Um, and <laughs> stage so dad. <laughs> he's a little bit of a stage dad, not like a toxic one, but he's just like he was very into it. And because I loved performing, it was like you know even more reason for him to help me, you know, be on stage in whatever way he could. Um, so yeah, I definitely did a lot of theater as like a kid. Um, and then I think once I got to high school, I pivoted more into wanting to write my own songs and perform in that way. Okay. So you were at that point in high school, were you in a band or just doing everything uh, on your own? Yeah, I was, um, when I got to high school, I was still mostly just playing solo. And then, um, my last two years of high school, um, I 
had the opportunity to go to a boarding school um, for arts and I oh, moved cool. away, um, majored in songwriting. And that's where I met a lot of peers that I could start really playing with um, for the first time. And, you know, I've always been like, a, it's always been like a solo project, but I've been lucky. Um, yeah. To just be able to find people to collaborate with and play on my songs and tour with. So kind of started that's around. A, yeah. That's awesome. So you, you went away to a boarding school and it was all, you, you did that for arts and songwriting. So you're able yeah. to really hone and just focus really on that. Even yeah, in like mean, what high school era? Like high school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My junior and senior year of high school, um, I went to a you know, an art school in northern Michigan. Um, it was a pretty small campus. Like you, I think when I was there, maybe around five hundred students. Um, and everybody was there for different arts disciplines, dancers, pianists, musical theater actors. My major was songwriting. There was all kinds of stuff. Um and yeah, it was, I mean, I was really blessed to have that opportunity. It was very inspiring. And I think it kind of also saved my life um, just to be around a bunch of like really nerdy artists um, in a forest <laughs> for two yeah. years, the healing well, and um, really great for me. Um, what, yeah. What made you decide to do that? I mean, to move away from home and then to, you said Northern Michigan. So that's not really close to West Virginia. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You move out there and you must have gotten at least prior to moving some sort of like validation that you, you were a great songwriter. Like, I'm sure you had a audition to get in the school and everything. Like what made you decide like, okay, I want to move on my own at whatever, 16 years old to go yeah. do that. Yeah. I think, I think at that time um, I just felt very seriously that pursuing songwriting and being an artist was something I wanted to do with the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, I was lucky to find out about the school, lucky to, you know, audition and make it in. And it just seemed like an opportunity that I couldn't pass up, um, especially because I really wanted to at that age, like as a teenager, I really wanted to pursue music in college. And I felt that I needed to, you know, probably catch up to some peers um, who had maybe grown up in other places um, and had more rigorous um, musical education. Yeah. Um, so I feel like I needed to really get serious and, you know. Um, yeah, just go, just go somewhere to study so I could have a chance to make it into college for music. Today, hip hop dominates pop culture, but it wasn't always like that. And to tell the story of how that changed, I want to take you back to a very special year in rap. 88, it was too much good music. The world was on fire. fire yeah. I'm Will Smith. This is Class of 88, my new podcast about the moments, albums, and artists that inspired a sonic revolution and secured 1988 as one of hip-hop's most important years. We'll talk to the people who were there. And most of all, we'll bring you some amazing stories. You know what my biggest memory from that tour is? It was your birthday. Yes, and you brought me to Sade's life-size cardboard cutout. <laughs> this is Class of 88, the story of a year that changed hip-hop. Listen to Class of 88 wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge the entire series right now on the Amazon Music app or Audible. Did you pursue music in college then? I did. I ended up dropping out of college, but I did um, also major in songwriting in college in Los Angeles for almost two years. Okay. I think you even talk about that one of your songs on the new, on the album. I think you talk about dropping out of yeah. college. They were one of the lyrics, I believe. Uh, you <laughs> yeah. 
well, well, thank you for paying attention to the lyrics in detail. I honestly like, thanks for reminding me. I do. I do mention that. Yeah, yeah you do. I can't remember what song it was. I just have it on a web. Like, I don't even know if the songs are in the correct order of, with what I have from your your team. Um, but yeah, I, I do remember that now that we're talking about it. I'm like, oh, she, I think Reb talks about that in, in one yeah. of the songs on the album. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So yeah. you moved to L.A. Uh, after high school, and that's just to, where do you go to school? Did you go to uh, USC or like a songwriting school or where did you attend school? Yeah, I did. I attended um, USC, the the, um, the Thornton School of Music and okay. majored in, technically majored in popular music with a focus in songwriting. Um, so it was kind of like being on Glee, I would say. You just do a lot of cover songs every week. Oh, um, OK. And, you know. I don't know. I, that's always a joke. I feel like people in the in the program make is it's very like uh, you just cover a lot of music, um, which is a great education. It was, you know, I learned a lot. I think I grew a lot as a musician. Um, and there's some wonderful people that, um, you know, attend school there that graduate and, you know, really crush it as touring session musicians. They're amazing. Mm-hmm. What made you stop? Like, were you uh, was your career kind of doing something like what made you stop going to the school or drop out of school, I guess is what you say. Um, but you know, yeah. What made you leave or was it just, you were sick of co- doing covers or like what, what was kind of the, the reason why you st- stepped away from U- USC? Yeah. Well, I mean, USC, it's very expensive and yeah, uh, I was going to say <laughs> a little pricey, I'd imagine. Well, it's a little pricey. And I felt like I wasn't, investing as much time as I should have in the coursework for that dollar amount of tuition to be totally transparent. I was, you know, cutting a lot of classes so I could go play out in Los Angeles and do gigs. And at the time I I had gotten a gig at the end of my sophomore year of college, um, just for um, singing background vocals for Coachella for Lord that year. I'm just, I think this is, like Oh, 20- wow. That's awesome. And in my 19-year-old mind, 19, 20-year-old mind, I was like, well, I'm getting paid now to sing professionally for like Lord. So like I'm headlining Coachella. Like, what yeah, am I I'm doing like, here? I'm a background singer <laughs> Coachella. Like, maybe I should just make money now and leave, thinking that it would like, you know, not realizing yet how tough freelance can be, you know, it's mm-hmm. not like you're always gonna have a gig lined up. So I was like, well, I'm dropping, you know, I'm cutting class a lot to go secretly sing at this gig, maybe I should just leave. And so overall it was the best decision for me to leave because I also had like undiagnosed ADHD. So just like college was not a good fit for my personality um, at the end of the day. But it is kind of funny, you know, that fall after that festival, I was still working at a coffee shop near campus, um, you know, waiting on... <laughs> a lot of my peers that were still in school and it's like why did I drop out again like I'm still here kind of I'm just not in any classes <laughs> well you're you weren't spending the money <laughs> right? yeah there we go saving oh. saving that money that's funny though I mean how do you get the the Lord gig that was kind of a yeah a funny story I think again because I was an era of just trying to go meet people outside of college in Los Angeles and cutting class often. Um, I think probably one day I was cutting class to write with a man who was so lovely. And it's, it's kind of wild. I was doing a songwriting session with a man, I think in his seventies at the time. Um, and 
I really liked working with him. He was so. Do you have some credits? <laughs> like, yeah, that's yes, interesting. Yes, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, he used to um, work with um, Goffin of Goffin and King. So, like, okay. he, you know, back in the day, and I think he played, I think one of his credits, he'd played um, piano with Dylan back in the day. Like, wow. he was a really fantastic, very golden. Yeah. Really sweet, encouraging, and like really talented man. That's cool. I was um, just curious to be the like, age gap, obviously, with uh, the songwriting. You said, sorry, you said what? Oh, I said it's just, I said, I'm sure he had, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, to be able to, to do achieve that, obviously, playing with Dylan and all those other things. I just think it's funny, you know, the age gap and oh. going and be like, let's write a song. You know, I'm 19. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was. <laughs> It is, it is kind of a hoop. I really had a fun time with him. Like about tech, you know, whatever the, the hip thing around, you know, that you guys are at that point talking about or whatever. It's funny to relate. Totally. Yeah, it was, it was interesting to work with, you know, yeah, just, we were in totally different sides of life, but we also, I think had a, I'm gone a tangent, but we had a really shared common um, taste in music. Like, I think we liked a lot of the same stuff. One, because he probably grew up listening to it and I listened to it through my dad. So I think we musically connected in a lot of ways. Um, anyway, yeah, I was probably cutting class one day. I was working with him in a writing session. Um, two younger guys came in one day because they were going to maybe help us record like a demo. And I don't think they ended up liking maybe what we were writing together, but one of the guys did know Lord's MD at the time and was like, you know, you sing pretty well. She's a background vocalist. <laughs> Wow. And recommended me for the gig. So yeah, it was this again. So I have I have no regrets like cutting class a lot and being in a lot of weird places in LA and trying new things outside of college because it always would lead to opportunities. But it was a really kind of it's not the traditional way I think people would assume I would have gotten onto a gig with Lord. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. But those are usually the stories, right? It's never like, uh yeah, I graduated from USC and songwriting, and then now I right for Warner Chapel or whatever it may be, you know, it's like with arts and, you know, creative, I feel like you need those moments of who, you know, and then being in the right place and having the skill set to, to prove yourself. Totally. Um, So you, you sing with Lord, then that's when you kind of, you drop out of school and uh, you're just pursuing songwriting at that point. Uh, I just going off your Spotify, you, uh, God is a woman is the first one you put out. That is like acoustic song. I thought it yeah. was a cover, but it was not. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great song. I I prefer yours to be hundred percent oh. transparent. Um, was that a song like at that point where you're like, okay, I'm ready to release music, or had you put out stuff prior to that and taken it down? Like where where were you at in your career when you released that one? Yeah, um, when I put that out, you know, I. Was before that, I'd probably just put like little demos on SoundCloud for friends mm. to hear, just very like low key kind of stuff. Um, and then, yeah, that was one of my first collaborations with, um, you know, a producer um, that was older than me and more established. Um, and yeah, it was a great learning experience. It was great to work with him. Um, and yeah, I think I was like 21 when I put that out. So I, I, you know, I wasn't signed or anything. I just threw it up on the internet. It was very much like a little independent release kind of thing. If you're an independent artist, you may know the struggle of you got these great songs. How do I get them in front of record labels, radio DJs, get them on Spotify playlists? How does this happen? Well, friends, this is Adam from Bringing It Backwards, and I'm going to tell you about this amazing website called Drop Track. 
Drop Track will get you a free press release for your music with the new AI-powered PR agent from Drop Track. Drop Track has helped thousands of independent musicians actually get their music heard by connecting them with record labels, radio DJs, Spotify playlist curators, and now Drop Track is leveraging the power of AI to help you promote your music. It's super simple. All you have to do is upload your song and then Drop Track will write a professional, personalized press release that describes your music all in just seconds. Then Drop Track helps you share it with the world. You might ask yourself, Adam, why do I need a press release for my music? Well, you need a press release because you need to be able to describe your music in words. You can send the press release to record labels or radio programmers, media outlets, and these industry folk and your fans will actually be able to read about your music before they even press play on the song. This will also get them interested in your music so they want to listen to it. A really good friend of mine has been an independent musician for a number of years, written so many great songs, but he's like, why do I need a press release? So I explained to him the importance of the press release, being able to describe the music. People know what they're getting into before they even press play. He drops his song into drop track. It writes this beautiful press release. Then all he has to do is just send it out. Super simple. What are you waiting for? Get a press release for your own song. Try it now for free at www.droptrack.com. That's droptrack.com. That's D-R-O-P-T-R-A-C-K, droptrack, droptrack.com. Check it out today. You know, from releasing that song, were you touring or just playing out around L.A.? Like, how did your career kind of like level up to the next, you know, spot? Yeah. What was that like, moment for you or like something that had happened? Totally. Yeah. Um, honestly, around that age, um, kind of, again, lines up with cutting class a lot. I was just playing a lot of gigs around L.A., um, you know, usually for no money. Anybody that would put me on a stage, I'd go, sure, I'll be there. Um mm-hmm. And through one of those gigs that I was playing, um, I met my now really close friend and um, collaborator, Theo Katzman. Um, He's in a band called Wolfpack. He has his own songwriting and um, solo project as well that's doing so well. Um, And yeah, he heard me play one night and was so encouraging and so kind to me and honestly kind of took me under his wing a little bit in the music community and ended up um, wanting to produce my first record, Pin Up Daddy, that we started making in 2018 and eventually put out in 2021. Um, but he like put all the money down for it. Um, you know, I've been able to pay him back since, but like he wanted to produce it. He helped fund it so I could make it. Um, and yeah, a lot of that came to life just because I, again, the kind of like right place, right time. I just happened to be playing a gig to probably not a lot of people at all. And he just happened to be in the room and then we became collaborators and that's how that first album came, came to be. Oh, okay. Wow. And, but it took, it sounds like it took a little bit of time. Was that because pandemic happens and all that other stuff or was it, uh, did that kind of slow down the process of releasing the album? Yeah, I think at the time um, we were in a in a funny way, we ended up recording most of it in the fall of 2018. So it would have been like, I think I was 21. And then um, he was also so incredible and took me on a tour um, to promote one of his albums in the beginning of 
2020, right before the lockdown. But before that tour happened and between my album being recorded, he literally had to write and record the whole record, his whole record that was going to be promoted for that 2020 tour he was bringing me on. Um, I feel like we started my album. Uh, Of course, understandably, he has to make his album because he's got this huge tour booked (laughs) and he needs an album. (laughs) you know, to be promoting on that tour. So he makes his record. Um, and then I think through the pandemic, you know, he's able to, um, we are able to work together um, and, and finish my record that we started in 2018. Um, yeah. So not necessarily like the traditional album path, but right. it all, it all worked out. And, um, you know, definitely, I hope I can, you know, make albums in shorter spans of time because it's, it's quite a long process for two three <laughs> years. But again, I would not have been able to make that record if he had not, um, one, been generous enough to fund it, to put all his time into it up front, knowing there was no money in it. Um, you know, I really owe a lot to Theo and um, for having a record, a debut record at all. Yeah, I mean, it's a, that's another great album too. I mean, the fact that, and it, that the way that you all did it, that's really cool and really special to have somebody you know to kind of take you under their wing and say look, I, I love what you're doing i'll fund the album let's put a bunch of songs out yeah very very cool well i want to talk to you about the the new album uh like i said earlier i've had a chance to hear it a few times it's really really good um i know it's uh it takes on some heavy topics and i don't know if you mind speaking on that or speaking to that um but if you want to talk about the the album i'd love to hear it hear about it yeah yeah um so yeah one for jackie is my new album coming out october 27th and um it's largely about my grieving process mourning my mom jackie um who passed by suicide in 2019 um so yeah definitely thematically and lyrically um it's a much heavier record but i also tried to um honor my mom by incorporating influences of music um, that my mom would have loved when she was alive. So I really tried to have one song feel like we were, you know, being inspired by Bruce Springsteen in the arrangement or trying to take some cues from Fleetwood Mac or even Prince and some stuff. Um, so even though like, yeah, lyrically, there's a lot of, um, obviously heavy topics that I'm singing about. Um, I try to break it up a little bit throughout the album, um, with some groovier beats that I hope my mom would have liked. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I'm so sorry to hear about that. That's yeah. It's that's a lot. Especially, it, it must have been tough to even get out what you wanted to say, or, or like was that something that was like okay? I mean, t- 2019 is not obviously isn't that long ago. I mean, to be able to be like okay, I'm ready to write about this. Was that must have been a like? Do you remember the moment where you're like okay, I think I can do this? Yeah, I think for me, um, kind of like what I said earlier you know, the reason I started songwriting as a young kid um, was just because it was like a therapeutic tool. Um, So I feel like for most of my life, um, anytime I've, you know, come had a challenge in life or a darker time in life, um, I've really leaned on songwriting to like process those emotions kind of in real time. Um, So I, you know, I started writing the record. Honestly, I think the first song I wrote was, um, the first song I wrote after my mom passed was Jacqueline, which starts the record. Mm-hmm. Um, and that song I probably wrote only like a month after she had passed away, you know, maybe weeks. Wow. It, was, it was very close. Um, but that's, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm also lucky to have, 
you know, access and, and the resource of, you know, having had a lot of therapy right after I lost my mom, I was definitely seeing a therapist, you know, twice a week. So I feel like that combined with using songwriting as a tool, I think I was just trying to put my grief into words and it, it kind of happened pretty fairly soon after she passed away. And so once you had that song, did you kind of know that that was going to be the path to an album or not at that all? Way? No. Yeah, not at all. I just, I had no idea that it was going to turn into this record. I think again, truly because songwriting has been the way I process my emotions and I was grieving so intensely um, for two years, almost any song I would write was about my mom and was about grief or about, you know, there's a few songs where I'm talking about falling in love with my partner for the first time, but it's also still in this timeline of massive loss um, and mourning my mother. And there's only, I think, there's only one song in this record that I wrote before she died. Um, and that song is Death Don't Make a Bitch an Angel. Um, oh, I wow. Had- that was because when I, well, after I read about the album and then I heard the song, I thought it was the other way around. Um, yeah. And I think, I think most, most people would, um, understandably. <laughs> yeah. I was like, <laughs> but oh. yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of eerie. I wrote that song. I would say, I think I wrote it two or three weeks before my mom passed away and had no idea that my mom right. uh, was passing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the evening she ha- she passed, I didn't know until maybe two days later that my mom had died. Um, oh but I was out singing in LA that song. Like I put the timeline together. I would have been performing around the time. I think my mother passed away, which is like really weird, wild, odd timing. Um, and I just went on that tangent. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. being vulnerable. Wow. That that would be the only song that predates the, my mom's passing on the record. Okay. Wow. And then you went to Texas to record the album. I did. Yeah. And, um, last, uh, September, September, 2022, I went down to Texas, um, to a studio called Sonic Ranch, um, and made the record. Um, produced by Tyler Chester and then Theo Katzman, the producer of the first record, he also came down for a few days um, and worked again with us, you know, drumming and playing Wurlitzer and singing background vocals. And um, so it was kind of fun to have that through line from Pin of Daddy to the to one for Jackie of having Theo involved again as a session player. Yeah. Wow. And why did you decide on uh, going to, to Sonic Ranch? Um, Tyler Chester, the producer of this record, he has a really great relationship with them and records there often. And he just raved about it. And, you know, to be totally honest, like it was a better deal for us than trying to work with an LA. And it had the added benefit of kind of being like a summer camp, like all of us just being um, in a more remote place, staying on the property together um, and just being able to focus on the record without kind of getting distracted by our home lives for a week. So I feel like um, yeah, not only was it a better deal, it seemed like the the kind of way I wanted to make this record, especially with um, as heavy as the theme of the record is, I wanted people to be as present as possible. Yeah, I, I've, uh, they've had a bunch of bands record down there. I've, 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 I can't remember who I interviewed kind of recently that recorded their album there. But yeah, I've heard you like pretty much live there, right? I mean, it's like on a big space and it's kind of in this rural part of te- Texas and um it's like, like you said, it's kind of, you're just living on this ground and just working on it on an album. Yeah. So that's good. I'm sure that would have to be a really, really obviously unique experience. I don't know to, to 
to get through what you were writing about too at least you're everyone's there and like you said present it's not we're all going to meet in the studio in la today and then maybe in a week and a half it's like did you when you record that you're really just bunker down and do the whole album correct yeah yeah we really we really did we you know some days we'd be cutting two or three songs a day um i think for this record you know there's 12 that made it to the record we recorded i think 14 within the week we were at sonic ranch um so we definitely were starting in the morning sometimes rapping at like one in the morning um especially um my producer tyler and the engineer david boucher you know they would be comping and staying up much later um even than the rest of us so definitely was kind of all around the clock kind of experience that's awesome and with uh this album it's the first one you're doing with warner yes it is yeah it's the first first record that uh warner's releasing that's exciting that must have been a big moment obviously signing that contract with them yeah um yeah it was definitely felt very emotional um obviously quite celebratory and then yeah there was a part of me that was like wow this feels pretty special that um you know the record i've made about my mom is the one that's um you know getting this kind of opportunity and i don't know i definitely you know kind of remember my my mom when i signed the deal you know she used to wear a lot of leopard print was like one of my mom's like favorite um clothing items she was always dressed in leopard and i have this old like fake fur jacket that she has that's like white leopard print (laughs) oh cool um and so just to feel like i was bringing my mom into the space with me that day um i kind of like dressed up in her old clothes and was like hey i feel like i'm bringing my mom to the deal today (laughs) oh really that's special that's cool celebrate my mom that's really cool um and I lo- uh, you're doing a tour or you're playing some shows with Grace Potter coming up and then you have yeah. you're playing here in Nashville. I'm in Nashville. You're playing here in Nashville uh, as well, um, supporting this album, which is, I'm sure that's pretty exciting as well. Yeah, I'm so excited. That's my that's my favorite part of music is playing it live. Like that's my absolute favorite part of uh, of being a musician is the live performance. So I'm really excited. Cool. And you, I'm, cu- I'm curious about the the tarot cards. So yeah. is this something that you do you do this? I mean, you sell cards, uh, which you have really cool merch. And then you have the speaking of leopard print, the leopard print uh, lighter. Yes. <laughs> which might be a throwback to, to mom. I don't know. But um, is that like, is that something that you do? Like, do you know how to read the, the cards and everything? Or is this just some a piece of the puzzle? Or can you talk about that at all? I don't know. Yeah, I um Well, I. So I don't, I don't have the skill of reading tarot. I love to get my tarot read by other people. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So I don't, I don't read tarot. I don't read other people's tarot, um, but I love to have mine read. And I, um, I feel like after my mom passed, I, you know, was kind of on a exploratory journey of being like, what do I think about, you know, different types of spirituality. I was just really seeking some answers. Um, and for me personally, I kind of love talking to psychic mediums, you know, people who have the gift of speaking to people that have crossed over. Oh, um, yeah. I, I also am like super interested in that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I often will have my, my tarot read while I'm, you know, speaking with my friend who's a psychic, psychic medium. Um, so yeah. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. I didn't know if you had that ability and that's why I, uh, you were selling the cars or in the song, you have a song on the new album about it as well. So I didn't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I'll say, I feel like I'm a little, that's, that's not my tool or my skill, but I will say that I think I'm a dream psychic. Like I will d- d- honestly, to kind of circle back to death, don't make a bitch an angel. There is a verse in there um, where I'm dreaming about my mom 
um, passing away. Um, and I wrote that into the song and then it was quite eerie that she did pass only a few weeks later. So I definitely have odd experiences like that kind of often. So I don't yeah. know, I'm into the psychic thing myself, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I, not good enough to, to, for, uh, to give advice or to, um, to help other people with it. <laughs> sure. I, have you ever, uh, looked into numerology at all? I do like numerology. I'm very, I just had somebody read my numerology for me. Um, they kind of just like read it out of a book um, a couple weeks ago. And I, I was very fascinated by it. I'm not, um, again, that's not something I'm like skilled in to do for other people, but I'm always interested when people can kind of read me down. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm curious. I'm just because I'm, I'm curious if you knew what your destiny number is. Ooh, no, I don't think I know. I'd have to go have my friend read that passage in the book again and know the destiny. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was mean, are you, are you really into numerology? Yeah, I couldn't tell you. It's like, I'm into it, but I'm not skilled in the sense. Like I follow it and I have like an app on my phone, but you can like, uh, you can, there's like a website you can type in your, your birth name and date. And cool. if you, if you know what time you were born and it all figures this stuff out. And, and I was just curious because if you're a destiny number t 11, two, then you're, t you're supposed to have this ability to see like manifest and have like this psychic oh. ability. It's just really interesting. I'll have to, I'll have to look. I think my number is 11, but I don't know if that's my destiny number. Well, if it's, it would be your destiny number if you have an 11. Oh, I think it, I think it is an 11. I'll have to double check, but I think it is. That would make sense. It's okay. so bizarre. Like the whole thing just blows my mind, like numbers and everything. And I was always curious, like uh, I interviewed an, an artist who, who's that's her full-time thing is just numerology. And that's really how I got into it. And I just became this whole fascinating conversation. And I was like, whoa. And she sent me her book and now I'm oh. like, way into it <laughs> but hey. um yeah it, over the last couple of years um and that's one thing yeah if you're an 11 two, i think it's like a it's called a master number and you can like manifest things it's, it's or see things it's really bizarre okay because um, i'm at 11 also there's not many of us but i would imagine if you can do if you've done that in the past or there's other experiences you have uh, i'll have to i'll have to double check because it's you add Sorry, we're going on this tangent real quick. It's oh no, no, no! This is awesome. I'm just curious. There's no <laughs> no apology needed. <laughs> if, okay, if you add one, okay, because my birthday is January 29th, 1997. So do I have to add all of those number two numbers together? Uh, we'll, and then we find it. Well, we could figure it out after this call if you want. Sounds good. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't want to be a liar. I feel like some. I think it was an eleven, but I could be wrong. I have to do the math after this again. <laughs> oh yeah, that's yeah. No, but uh, that'd be really interesting. I wonder if you're uh, an eleven. Um, but anyway, uh, I I love the album. Comes out on Friday. You're doing a tour to support it. Um, yeah, that's really exciting. Thank you so much. Yes. And I have one more question for you. And then I want to, we'll do some numerology here off the, yeah. off the computer, off the air, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> off the Zoom. Uh, I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Yeah. Um, I think my advice would be to try to build music community within like your own scene. I feel like when I was younger, you know, I was like, oh, how am I going to meet so-and-so who's kind of already made it? Like, how can I get in front of this person? And it's like, make stuff with your friends, make stuff with the people that are already like passionate about you. Um, and, you know, build from there. I feel like, you know, building your scene kind of this way versus trying to, you know, 
get into rooms that maybe you're not ready for yet. Um, always feels like kind of spinning the wheels. So yeah, just make cool shit with your friends is what I try to encourage people to do.